<clears throat> Hello and welcome back to Warrior Walker. We're so glad you joined us. I hope you're safe. And if you're not, or if you know someone who's struggling, please don't hesitate to contact the National Center for Domestic Violence hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. So today's main topic is scapegoat and a little bit of family dynamics. Um, but scapegoating is um, something that I haven't really wanted to discuss because I don't think I'm totally healed from that yet. And it still affects me and I'm still trying to learn and grow from it and be healthier mentally and emotionally primarily. Um, but when I finally started going to counseling years ago, um, which was prompted by my abusive marriage, um, I started realizing because of the things that every single one, all of the counselors were saying to me, including my sister's counselor that she begged me to go to one time, so I finally did. All of the counselors told me and said to me the same exact thing. And that thing was that growing up with my um, divorced family, like my parents got divorced when I was five, they, the counselors kept telling me that both sides of my divorced family scapegoated me. And, uh, you know, I knew deep down that something wasn't quite right growing up, but I didn't know exactly what, like I couldn't really pinpoint it. Like I knew certain behaviors were wrong, but you know, I, I also knew that I didn't have the power to, especially as a child to control change or fix those behaviors that I was observing in my parents. And I didn't obviously have the emotional and mental maturity at that time um, to really deal with it properly or in a healthy way. And it wouldn't have mattered, I don't think, if I had back then, because you can't change people. You know, people have to, you know, we all have to recognize that we have a problem before we can try to fix or change it or try to grow or become more healthy. And, you know, it's just like with an alcoholic, you can't change them and they won't change unless and until and if they actually realize and admit that they have a problem and admitting that you have a problem is the first step, you know, and I'm a firm believer in Romans 3.23 and the whole Bible actually that says, you know, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, I understand that, you know, we need to, as Christians and as Christ followers, try not to um, commit habitual sins. You know, we need to not be in a pattern of constantly sinning. And, you know, there are different sins that we all struggle with. And some of those sins are secret sins. Like, for example, sins such as like pornography and stuff like that. You know, and those are kind of secret and embarrassing sins. But um, I just always had issues because of being scapegoated all my life. And no matter how hard I tried, especially when I was growing up, I could never get out from under that. 
And, um, you know, like I said, I don't think I'm totally healed from this. I don't know that I ever will be, <coughs> but it's been a process and it's been a lot of going back and forth and trying to find a balance, I think is key. Um, but I have realized that growing up, I was so used to letting everybody blame all their issues and all their problems and all the drama on me. And yes, some of it I caused, but the majority of it had absolutely nothing to do with me. And it took many years for me to finally realize, hey, not everything is all my fault. Like everything is not all my fault. And it just, like it's something that seems so obvious. But when you grow up being brainwashed like that, everything's your fault. Um, it's really hard to get out of that mindset. And so if you're struggling with something like that, I want you to know everything can't possibly be all your fault. First of all, you're not God. <laughs> you're not responsible for everything. And like, you know, I know we don't think like that. I didn't think like that. I didn't think I was God, certainly. But I just, I had to change kind of my thought processes and my thinking patterns because it was obviously extremely unhealthy, but that's what I was used to. It was what was expected of me. It was what was known. It was what I was accustomed to. It was what I was taught, what I was, you know, trained to do as I was growing up. And, you know, I'm not trying to disrespect anyone or, you know, put my parents or my siblings down at all. Because it's what they knew too. Like we all have issues and we're all trying to get healthier from our own issues. And I don't care what generation you're from. We all have issues, um, you know, and, and that's a whole nother topic. This stupid generational war that goes on between all our generations. And I've been guilty of it in the past too, but as I'm getting older and as I've gotten older, I just think it's absolutely ludicrous and ridiculous and we shouldn't be, you know, at war with each other. We should be helping each other, not fighting each other. That's just my opinion, of course. Um, but this scapegoating and being used to being blamed for everything was obviously very unhealthy but it led me to develop some very unhealthy and even toxic patterns of behavior. And when I finally, you know, when I finally started kind of coming out of that and realizing, hey, this wasn't okay, I should have never been treated that way. Um, it's kind of like the pendulum swung clear the other way for me. And then, you know, I was angry and at how I was treated for a while and, and maybe probably even a little bitter too. And I was determined, absolutely determined that nobody was going to blame me for anything ever again, <laughs> you know, because I was so mad at how I had been treated and the fact that like I allowed it to happen and it wasn't my fault. And, but I kind of blame myself a little bit a lot. <laughs> um, I've always struggled with perfectionism, which obviously the Bible says in Romans chapter six, that that's a sin. And so, you know, I guess 
maybe part of that healing process is you do go through these stages, just like going through stages of grief. And I personally do believe, this is just my opinion, it's not, you know, a professional medical opinion, but it's my personal opinion as, you know, a human being, um, is my personal opinion that it's, it is a grieving process because, you know, you're in denial for so long and then you finally come out of it and you accept the truth. So you've got the stage, if you know, grieving that this is how you've been treated all your life. Um, and, you know, I hate when people say you like to play the victim. It's not about that for me. It's not about playing the victim. Trust me, I would much rather that, you know, I didn't have this ever happen to me and or anyone else. Like, I can't, I know I can't be the only one. Um, but, you know, the denial and then acceptance and then anger and, you know, I tend to fly through these stages, I've noticed, and kind of skip to anger. <laughs> um, but then I was so angry about it that I was the opposite, and I just started blaming everyone else for everything and not accepting responsibility for some of my own actions. <clears throat> and obviously, I didn't even realize I was doing this at the time. Um, one of my children, one of my sons actually pointed this out to me a while back, and I was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, he's right. Like I went to the other side where I was blaming everybody else. And that's not healthy either, obviously. So I went from one extreme to the other. Unfortunately, um, a lot of the time where I was in that unhealthy pattern of blaming other people for everything and, you know, refusing to accept blame or responsibility for anything myself um, that is part of the time where my children were growing up. And so unfortunately, that's what they saw. They didn't see me growing up and being constantly scapegoated. They saw me scapegoating everyone else. And sometimes it was other people's fault, but I'm guessing that most of the time it was probably my fault, you know, and I was probably the one to blame or the one responsible and I wasn't admitting it. And so that was part of my grieving process. And so, you know, obviously I had gone through, well, I wasn't even aware, let alone denial and then denial. Um, I think awareness is really important. So I went through the, the grieving processes of, you know, lack of awareness, denial, acceptance, and then anger. Um, and then you go through kind of a depression, like, dang, like, how can everybody treat me this way? Like, what I, I remember saying one time, what do I have abuse me pasted on my forehead? <laughs> you know, and, and I'm laughing about it now, because it's been a long time ago, and I'm a lot more healed than I used to be. Although it's still, you know, I still, I'm sure God will be healing me until the day I die. And I know it's not funny and I've, I'm not making light of it, but I just, I'm chuckling because in hindsight, I'm looking back at it thinking how silly my thinking was back then, you know, and um, I'm sure in, you know, another 10 years, I'll probably be looking at this broadcast or this podcast episode and thinking I was silly now. Um, but we're all in a process, I believe, of healing and growing. And so, um, you know, acceptance is is probably, you know, um, 
I can't remember the exact, they're like five main stages of grieving, but you get the idea, I'm sure. Um, so life is hard sometimes, you know, um, because we are all sinners and sin entered the world. And this earth is, um, you know, the Bible says, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And it, which means greater is Jesus who is in us than Satan who's in the world, you know? Um, and the Bible also says, for we do not fight against flesh, but against the powers and principalities of this dark world. Um, so we don't fight against flesh and blood. We don't fight against humans. Humans are the ones, humans are the people doing these things to us um, because we're all sinners. But it's actually, I believe, the influence of the evil and dark forces of the world. Um, it's satanic or demonic influences. And Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we are protected as Christ followers. Jesus protects us. Jesus keeps us strong. Jesus keeps us safe. Jesus helps us grow. Um, we are being sanctified through Christ. Um, we're already justified through Christ and we're being sanctified through Christ. We're growing spiritually, you know, and I like to think that coupled with that, it goes along with that, that we're growing mentally and emotionally as well. And of course, we're always growing and changing physically also. Um, but I think you understand what I'm saying, hopefully. So this whole scapegoating thing has caused me to run through a gamut of emotions and a vast array of coping mechanisms and most definitely lots of defense mechanisms. People used to tell me all the time that I was defensive and I didn't understand it. Well, yeah, of course I'm defensive. I was used to constantly being blamed for everything and constantly attacked. Who wouldn't be defensive, you know? And at the time, I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm just stating the truth. And, uh, you know, that is, I believe, because, um, you know, I see myself um, as a prophetess because that's the gifting, one of the main giftings God has given me. Um, I test my spiritual giftings every few years because, you know, God gives us all uh, spiritual giftings and talents. And um, they almost always turn up the same. The top two are always prophecy and teaching. Those are always my top two. And in that order, too. <laughs> um, teaching is sometimes number three, but it's always in that order. And so I do try to speak the truth. And over the years, as I've grown older, I try to speak the truth in love. The key words in love. Um, because I, God created me to be a very bold, genuine, authentic, honest, direct person. And not a lot of people like that. <laughs> people don't like to be told the truth. And so, you know, that's one of my complaints kind of is being a prophetess is very isolating. Um, you know, because people do not like to be told the truth. And Believe it or not, when I have a truth to, when I have to tell someone a truth that's negative or that they're not going to like, I do not enjoy it. Like that is so absolutely not my favorite thing to do because 
it's almost never well received. And I don't like kind of making people feel badly, which I fully realize, completely realize I'm not responsible for how they feel. Like they choose how to feel, but I don't like having to deliver bad news, you know, and I often have to do that. And, uh, you know, one of the examples was years ago. I don't even know if I did the right thing, but, you know, I felt like God, the Holy Spirit, wanted me to tell somebody something. And so I finally said, okay, this was like a couple of months I battled with this because I did not want to tell this person this. And I finally said, okay, God, when I was praying, I don't want to be disobedient to you, Lord. I don't want to tell this person this because I knew that this person was absolutely not going to like what he was telling me to say to her. I said, okay, Lord, if you want me to tell her, make it absolutely clear to me. Make it that it's there, it's only the two of us, that there's nobody else around. And you know what? He did exactly that. Like I knew immediately when the circumstance presented itself that God was absolutely answering my prayer. And I was like, I was honestly thinking, oh, crap, <laughs> God just answered me. Now I have to say this to her. And I absolutely, I so did not want to say it to her. But, you know, I walked in obedience because, um, I mean, it's a lonely life because, like I said, people don't like hearing negative things. And it's not always about negative things. I don't like hearing negative things, you know? Um, and it's not always negative. Sometimes it's positive, but a lot of it is, you know? Um, if you look at the Bible, like Jonah, like he was supposed to go to Nineveh and, you know, talk to the people, give them God's message for them. And he was so rebellious. He's like, oh, I ain't doing this, you know? Uh, no, God find somebody else, dude. Like, not cool. I don't want to do that. Like, I can so relate to Jonah's feelings of not wanting to go to Nineveh. And for those of you who may not know what I'm referring to in the Bible, it's uh, the story of Jonah where he gets eaten by a great fish because he wouldn't obey God and go prophesy to Nineveh, basically. Like, I get how Jonah felt. Like, it's not a fun feeling. <laughs> he His motives were different because... He, I think he hated the Ninevites and didn't want God to give them a second chance. But for me, my motives are, I don't want to tell them that. That's going to make them feel badly. Are you crazy? Like, why are you telling me to say this, God? You know? And so sometimes, oftentimes, actually, I get blamed or scapegoated because I have to carry a message to someone from God. You know, and I am extremely cautious now about, like, I make sure that that message is from God and not from me before I say it. Because if it's from me, I don't want to be telling anybody anything in my flesh, first of all, because that's going to, you know, that has the potential that could really mess somebody up. Secondly, I don't ever want to claim a message is from God and it's really from me. I don't want to be acting in my flesh, you know, but most of the time, the messages I have from God, I didn't even know about. Like a lot of times I didn't even, I don't even know half the time what God's talking about when I give someone a message. And so I've learned to preface some of my messages or the messages he gives me actually with, you know, I don't know what this is about, 
but I feel like God's telling me to tell you this. And I could be wrong, but, you know, take it for what it's worth. If it's not for you, that's fine. It's whatever. But I just feel like I have to tell you this and you take it and do with it whatever you need to. If you need to throw it out mentally, then obviously that's your prerogative. That's your choice. And so I try to preface them with that because I want to make sure that I'm not speaking in my flesh. And, you know, obviously it's probably not in my flesh if I don't even know what the message is about. Um, but I try really hard to walk in obedience to God. And so sometimes I'll get blamed for that because I'm the messenger, you know, um, don't hate the messenger. Right. <laughs> um, so I mean, I do feel honored that God trusts me to do that and that God helps me to do that. Um, but it's, it's, kind of a rough life sometimes and it's very lonely and isolating because people don't like people who are real you know a lot of people want to be polite and um, I'm not saying I'm impolite although I can be at times not intentionally um, but I just can't stand fake and I believe I think and I firmly and strongly believe that God created me to be this way and I you know, I struggled with it for a long time because I'm so different than most people, especially in that aspect, you know, and, and I'm a teacher and teenagers appreciate authenticity, you know, they appreciate and they can tell that you care about them when you do, but adults, not so much. <laughs> adults want you to be polite and fake. And I just like, and adults don't see themselves as being fake. But teenagers, they see right through that. And it's part of why I like the teen group so much is, I don't know, I, I, I just relate to them because that's my whole personality. Um, it's who God created me to be. It's how he created me. And for years, I tried to fight who he, God created me to be because, number one, people don't like it. People do not like my personality. Like, when people first meet me, every single person who meets me at the very beginning almost always puts me on a pedestal and I hate it. I absolutely hate it because I know and I'm well aware that I'm most likely probably going to come crashing down off that pedestal when they realize, <laughs> you know, that I'm human just like everybody else and I sin just like everybody else or I inadvertently tick them off because I have to deliver some message from God to them or something. You know, it just... <laughs> I. I don't mean to sound arrogant at all. Like, it's just, I don't know how to explain it. But those of you who have the gifts of prophecy and or teaching, you probably understand what I'm saying. Um, and I have to really kind of season my words with salt a lot of times, like make my words sweeter um, so that they're easier to tolerate. But I try not to water down God's words. Um, because whatever message God has is what exactly what that person needs to hear, whether they realize it or not. And I'm the same way. Sometimes people have a message for me. I, I will listen. If somebody has a word of God for me, I will listen. Um, but just because my experience, and obviously you have to discern and the Bible says, test the spirits. And you know that if someone... You know, if the word is from God, you'll know because 
the person acknowledges and recognizes Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And you know what? We're human too. We may get a message wrong here and there. We may hear it wrong or we may not hear the exact words, although I rarely have experienced that. Like most of the time, I just don't know what even God's saying, you know, like I'm like, okay, this makes no sense to me, but here it is. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I don't know. I was going to give you an example, but I can't really think of anything um, specific, but I've got this idea formulated in my head of the past. And I, I can, I can like, I don't remember the exact words, but I remember doing that. So anyway, um, being a prophetess, a lot of times I get blamed for the messages God sends through me. Not a lot of times, but it had, ha had happened a lot in the past. I really don't have as many messages anymore as I used to, which kind of concerns me a little bit, but I trust God and, you know, it's not about me. It's about him and his timing and helping people how and when they need helped, including me. I need helped too. Um, so we all do. We all need help because we're all sinners and that's why Jesus came to earth was to help us sinners, um, you know, to offer us the gift of eternal life, if we'll just accept it for free. There's nothing we can do to earn it, according to the book of Ephesians. Um, I believe it's chapter four. So this whole scapegoating thing, like I said, I grew up with, and that's not healthy, obviously. It's not a healthy way to be. It's not a healthy way to think. It's not healthy to scapegoat and blame others. It's not healthy to accept um, unfounded blame. It is healthy to accept responsibility for your own actions and your own mistakes and your own shortcomings and your own failures. But it's also not healthy to beat yourself up about it. And when you are a perfectionist or you struggle with perfectionism and trying to be perfect, um, you see all of your own shortcomings and you feel badly about it, or at least I do or, and I did. Um, and it's frustrating because you can't really do anything about it. And you kind of, you, you pray, you can pray and, but you and absolutely should pray. But the hard part is waiting for God's timing to fix you because you're like, well, I don't want to hurt anyone else. Like in the meantime, while God's fixing me, while God's, you know, helping me grow, I don't want to hurt anyone else. And so another aspect to this is, um, you know, uh, a lot of you know, now I'm a mental health coach. Um, I was blessed with a scholarship and completed the um, mental health coaching courses from uh, Light University. And uh, I learned a lot in that class, but I was actually shocked and surprised how much I already knew. And... Uh, going through the classes, the videos, and the notes, there were, you had to take a quiz at the end of each lesson. And there were multiple lessons that I would go and take the quiz before watching the video or reading the lesson. And I passed. I Like, I got 80-90% on most of those lessons. Because I already knew from living it in my life um, partially from observing other people and talking with other people and listening to other people. But the majority of the the material, the coaching 
course materials, I already knew from living it myself. Um, that's how messed up my life has been, <laughs> you know, because we're, we're all sin and we're all a product of sin. And so, um, you know, Adam and Eve were the first original sinners, first sinners in the world. And so we're all a product of sin and, um, not just metaphorically speaking, but actually, you know, physically and generationally speaking as well. We're all a product of sin. We're all sinners. Um, but as I started getting healthier, I started realizing, okay, it's not okay and it's not good to be scapegoated. And it's also not good and it's not okay to not accept responsibility for, you know, what I am responsible for, like take ownership for myself. And so then I started trying to find a balance where I wasn't allowing, I wasn't letting people brainwash me into thinking everything was always all my fault including, and even when I was literally hundreds of miles away, that's still kind of a, um, not a fresh wound, but I'm still kind of salty about that a little bit. I think I always will be about that one. Um, but maybe not, maybe God will heal me from that someday too. And then, you know, also finding that balance is key. It's key where I also, accept responsibility for the things I do wrong now. And, you know, I'm honest to a fault. Like, if I've done something wrong, I will totally tell you. Um, and that's integrity, you know. I remember years ago when I applied to work at Family Christian Stores, which unfortunately, sadly, is no longer a thing, um, no longer a chain of stores. It's closed down across the country. Um, but when I applied to work there, um, they gave you a test. And so they gave me a test when you apply to work there. And I found out after the test that the purpose of the test was to discover and to find out how honest you are. And after I took the test, my boss came to me and he's like, you got the highest score the company's ever had. And he's like, Gwenna, you, this is a test to test your honesty, and you got the highest score in the history of the company. He's like, I cannot believe how honest you actually are. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Like, I know I've always been honest, you know. I may not, like, for a while, I kind of swung the pendulum the opposite way and didn't accept responsibility for some of my own actions, but you know, when I see it, when I know it, when I'm aware of it, I am honest to a fault. And most people aren't like that. And in some very toxic places, unfortunately, that level of honesty is mistakenly seen as unprofessional. I believe it's very professional and it's having a high level of integrity. So, uh, I honestly don't know where to go to this be with this because obviously I'm not I don't believe I'm completely healed yet from the whole scapegoating thing. I believe God is still working with me on this. Um because even though I am honest and I say to a fault because most people especially in the professional realm don't want to be honest, that honest and don't want you to be that honest. <laughs> You know, they just want you to be polite. Like, I, I, I don't know. There's nothing wrong with being polite, but there is something wrong, I believe, with being polite when it 
is at the expense or the cost of being honest. And I personally think integrity and honesty is professional. That's my opinion. Um, but I really believe it. And uh, I also believe that God will honor us when we are genuine, authentic, and real. Jesus said about Nathaniel, now here is a man in whom there is nothing false. And that's actually one of my goals. I want to be that authentic where Jesus will say, now here's a woman in whom there is nothing false. And um, that's my hope with that, is that I can grow to that place where Jesus would commend me like he commended Nathaniel. And I try really hard to, um, I mean, I do have a high level in, of integrity and I try really hard to to grow and stay healthy and, and keep that boundary. And, you know, um, I've, I'm trying really hard and I have been for several years now to, or for a few years now to um, just, again, be genuine, authentic, real, truthful, honest, and open and direct and transparent. Um, because I feel like we need a lot more of that in the world, especially today. Um, it's okay to have different beliefs. It's okay to have different thoughts. I personally feel, it's my opinion, that this world would be a boring place if we all thought the same. I just sometimes wish, um, how do I say this? I just sometimes wish that people accepted my personality because most people don't like my personality. They either love me or they hate me and there's no in between. And I realize we can't please everybody and we're not going to please everybody because we're all created so unique and different. And I believe God put us each on the planet with a different purpose and he created us in, in my beliefs God created each of us with a unique purpose and designed and tailored each of us and crafted each of us to accomplish that purpose. And I think sometimes people in their own insecurities blame or scapegoat or blame shift and blame someone else for their own actions. You know, in my case, it was kind of a rebound thing and a reaction when I realized, oh, hey, People have been scapegoating me all my life. I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm not going to tolerate this anymore. Nobody's going to treat this anymore. I'm not going to accept this anymore, any longer. And then I just kind of, like I said, swung the pendulum clear the other way. You know, and everyone has different reason reasonings. Um, but put that aside in trying to heal and get healthier. Um, you know, God can help us do that. All we have to do is pray and ask him please God help me do this. It's that simple. You know, talk to God like he's your best friend. If people say all the time, I don't know how to pray. It, I mean, it's, you talk to God, just like I'm talking to you right now. You just tell him the truth. You know, um, I know a lot in the older generations are like, oh, you have to be reverent to God. You have to be respectful. And absolutely. Yes. We need to rev be reverent toward God. Um, have a reverent fear, not afraid, but um, a respect, a respect for him. But we still need to be ourselves. I mean, you think God doesn't know who he created you to be? <laughs> Just be yourself in prayer. God absolutely knows who he created you to be. And guess what, friends? He loves you just the way he created you. He created you the way you are for a reason. 
you know, there was a Sunday school teacher, single Sunday school teacher from the single uh, Sunday school years ago that she had her issues too. But one thing she said that was very wise and I will always remember and I'll never forget was, are you mad at God? You want to scream and cuss at God? Do it. He's God. He's not going to fall off the throne. And I was like, oh my gosh, that just kind of, it just kind of lit a light bulb in my head and turned something on. Like God is not going to fall off the throne. He already knows us. The Bible says he knows every hair on our head. He knows every thought we have already anyway. You're not going to shock him. So I personally don't totally agree with, you know, you have to be, you know, respectful. To, I mean, yeah, obviously respect God, but you can be yourself. Even if yourself is mad and angry and wants to yell and cuss and scream and punch a pillow or whatever, like be yourself. Don't punch something like a wall and actually hurt yourself, please. But just be yourself. Um, you know, and I'm still learning this healthy boundary. Um, you know, there are still, they're fewer and farther between, but there are still occasionally, um, instances and occurrences and circumstances once in a blue moon, once in a while where I have to set someone straight as politely as I possibly can and say, um, you know, not to not the exact words. It depends on the circumstance, what I say exactly, but like, Hey, that that's not right. I didn't do this and you shouldn't be blaming me for this because I didn't, you know, I'm not the one who, whatever it was, you know, or I didn't, whatever it was. But then if I did do something that was wrong, then also accepting ownership, admitting my mistake, and even apologizing or asking forgiveness. And I personally, I this is one thing I think I did a good job with my, my children, with my sons. I taught my sons, if you do something intentionally or deliberately that was wrong, ask forgiveness. But if you do something that wasn't intentional, apologize. Now, I realize not everybody agrees with that. I had one lady one time tell me, you should never say you're sorry because that means you're a sorry person. And I don't necessarily agree with that, but I do know there are some people who think that way. I don't, and I don't agree with that, obviously. But um, I do know there are some people who think like that. But I do think there's a difference. Like sometimes I try really hard and I'm not usually malicious. Um, but there are some people who are. And so if you hurt someone on purpose, I think you should, or we should, if we hurt someone on purpose, I think we should obviously ask forgiveness. You know, and one thing I've learned from my own children actually is nobody's obligated to forgive me. Like they have a choice whether they want to forgive or not. We all have a choice. Um, for my own self, personally, the Bible says in Matthew, if you, in the book of Matthew, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. So I take that not forgiving seriously. But I want to say, um, like, for example, especially in the case of abuse, 
Forgiveness and trust are completely different things. And condoning a behavior and setting boundaries, those are all different things. You can forgive someone. Like, I forgave my ex-husband for his abuse of me a long time ago. But I will I ever trust him again? No, absolutely not. Especially with the crap he's still pulling today, which is another total topic. But I forgave him a long time ago. But that doesn't mean, that does not at all mean that I think what he did was okay, that I condone his abuse of me. Um, absolutely not. But I forgave him a long time ago. And I think people get those things confused and people expect you to forgive and forget. I absolutely forgave, but I will never forget. And I don't believe because I can't, you know, I can't forget because if I forget, then I'm going to allow it to happen again. And I can't do that for my own health and safety. And so I don't believe that we should, um, I do believe that we should forgive. I don't believe that we should trust an abuser because most of the time they don't change. Not always. There, it is possible, but um, very rarely. And I learned that the hard way. I had so much hope. I held out so much hope for so long, so many years for my ex-husband that he would change. And he never did. And, um, you know... I make mistakes too, and I can be a very, I'm actually a very logical person most of the time, but once in a blue moon, my emotions come out, and um, when that happens, I'm getting better about it slowly the older I get, thank God, um, but when that happens, if I get extremely emotional, which is absolutely rare now, but if I do get extremely emotional, um, it's not always pretty. It's it's bad. And I admit that fully. Like, I want to keep getting better. I want to continue getting better. And I hope God continues to heal me because um, I absolutely can sometimes hurt people with my words. And I don't want to do that. And um, I think as a prophetess, it's even worse for me in that aspect because I'm so direct with my words. I have to be really careful because my words can really do damage and long-lasting damage. And, you know, you can't take your words back. When the, once they fly out of your mouth, once they escape your mouth, they're gone forever. And you cannot take them back. And um, we want to be careful with our words. And so that's something I'm not proud of. Um, I fully take ownership of that. I've been working on it with God's help for a long time. And... Um, my one son says that I've changed and that I'm, I've grown and I'm better about that. But, you know, it sure is tempting because, you know, that sin nature is there. And that's what I really, really struggle with is my words, especially when I'm really upset. And like I said, I don't get upset easily or often, but when I do, it can be really bad. And, um, I'm working on that. So, um, yeah. So that's a topic, I guess, for scapegoating today. Um, as God led me, I hope that it has blessed you. Um, I hope that it has helped you. Um, I hope that you've learned something from it. And I learn from you. I want to thank you all for your feedback, um, for 
for your questions. Uh, you're such a great audience. I'm so grateful for you. I do occasionally get questions um, asking me to speak uh, to certain topics. I get feedback telling me that I helped you with, you know, like one time I had um, a mom tell me I helped her with her daughter who was being abused by her boyfriend. I'm so grateful for you guys. And, you know, just remember, I'm just sharing what I've learned from my experience and my growth and what God has been teaching me. And I'm still learning. We're all still learning. Um, and if I look at my life 10 years ago and the thoughts I had 10 years ago, it's certainly a lot, whole lot different than the thoughts I have today. And so I know I'm going to keep growing and hopefully God is going to help me keep growing. And um, hopefully you can keep growing. You'll keep growing too. And God will help us keep growing in him in wisdom and stature like he did Jesus. So thank you for listening. Um, I hope this helps. God bless you. I love you. But more importantly, Jesus loves you more. Stay safe. Until next time.